0: Welcome to the Coffee in the Barn. I'm Casey Bradley, president and founder of the SunSwine Group. If you are thinking about entering, changing, advancing, or reinventing your career in the animal science industry, we are here to help you succeed. In each episode, we will cover a variety of topics surrounding work, life, and professional development, leveraging my 20-plus years as a global leader within the livestock industry, and my ever growing professional network to interview other leading professionals. We couldn't do this without our sponsors NutriQuest, IFF, and Continental Search. Reach out to us on our social media platforms or visit the SunTwineGroup.com and subscribe now not to miss another episode. Hey guys, this is Casey Bradley your host for Coffee in the Barn. In today's episode, we're gonna take a short snippet from the webinar that I had with Dr. Mark DeBeer with Avision. So Mark and I were classmates and I've watched his career grow throughout his life as either a customer or a competitor and I got to hear about his career history not through his eyes. So it was really eye-opening to hear it from his point of view of his career and how he got to where he was. And I think he gives us a lot of insights on how to become that next generational leader. So stay tuned. And also if you get a chance and you loved what you heard on this episode, make sure you check out his webinar on our YouTube channel, Animal Science Office Hours. Ladies and gentlemen, to share his journey with us today, please welcome Mr. Mark DeBeer
1: thanks Trish thank you so I think I think the process here is that I'll tell you a little bit about myself which and and, and my journey it is tough talking about yourself I'll, I'll be honest but uh, so anytime I think uh, the idea is for you guys to to jump in and if you have questions and and then we' we'll, we'll turn it I guess into a little bit of QA or some discussion um, I grew up in a uh, very rural community on the east coast of South Africa, mostly sugarcane farming communities. I went away for school. I, I, uh, I left home when I was 12 years old. When I left, pretty much never lived with my parents ever since. So it's, uh, it's kind of been I'm one of those more like a nomad, you know, I've, I've lived in a lot of different places and kind of normal, right? There was no option for us to stay in the place we grew up. There was just a very, very small community with very limited opportunities. So we're fortunate to go to good schools. And um, and then, you know, from there, it's sort of continued to grow. But I, I got to the University of Stellenbosch in South Africa studying animal science. I studied animal science because I uh, was fascinated with wildlife. I grew up in a place with lots of wild game. So I didn't do my research. I didn't prepare real well for understanding what animal science is all about. Mostly I studied animal science because I wanted to work with wild game. I wanted to work with lions and leopards and, you know, wildebeest and things like that. And I got about two years in and, and eventually, you know, kind of built up the courage to ask one of the professors when we would start studying <laughs> things like, uh, you know, the, the wild game of South Africa, and I came to find out that's not at all what animal science was about. It was uh, production agriculture for the most part. So it was a pretty big shock, to be honest. I didn't have any interest in being a vet. So they said, well, you could become a you know a vet and and maybe make take that path. I didn't want to do that because I didn't want to take that long to study. I'd sort of set my my heart on maximum of four years of study. So a vet was off the table. And then they had a game capture course. I don't know how familiar many of you are with game capture, but, you know, darting animals, moving them around, how to handle big wild animals. And so that was interesting. And then I found out that, like, there's literally two jobs in the whole country for people who specialize in game capture. So it started to make little sense as a a career option. Um, So I just kind of carried on and, and I got to the end of my undergraduate became pretty obvious I wasn't prepared to go to the workforce. I didn't really have any skills that were going to translate to something I wanted to do. So the easy thing to do was, well, keep studying. And at that point, I'd become interested in nutrition. Of all the classes I'd done, nutrition was probably the most interesting one for me. And I heard that you can get jobs as a nutritionist. So it was like sort of a possibility at least. And then it was a point of choosing which uh, which species to work with. And I had no interest in chickens, frankly, uh, was not really uh, intrigued by the prospect of working with chickens, but uh, from what I understood from our professors, that was the most likely place you could you could get a job. And I remember very clearly the head of our department saying, "You're never going to make much money. You're never going to be wealthy, but you'll work with people who are mostly good, decent, honest people, and so you have that to look forward to." So, and he was right about all of that. Well, maybe not entirely about them. I think people can make very good living in our industry, but it was not very inspiring. I'll be honest. I think I felt looking back, I was like, man, maybe maybe I should have done something different. Um, having said that, I stuck with it. Got to the end of my master's degree, met a professor from the United States. Actually started a little business with a friend selling organic fruit and vegetables before organic was, was cool in South Africa. So we had a, a bunch of farmers growing organic produce, had nowhere to sell it. They couldn't figure out how to sell it. So we basically acted as as middlemen, helping them, you know, meet up with restaurants and hotels and stuff where tourists would buy organic produce. So that was a, a nice little business, but also uninspiring. You know, the, the, the thought that you would spend the rest of your life selling fruit and vegetables was, a, uh, again, something I, I probably hadn't prepared myself for. Uh, but having, having said, I finally met this professor from the U.S. and. Uh, He said, well, you should come study in the US. You know, we've got great research programs. Uh, He was at um, the University of Arkansas. And so, you know, after a little while, you know, I'd said to him, hey, I I don't think that's something I could ever afford. It'd be pretty tough for me to pay for it. He explained how the assistantship program worked. It started to become more and more intriguing. And after about a year of selling fruit and vegetables, fairly successfully, I mean, we had a nice little business. I thought, man, you know, if you want to be good at something, if you want to be exposed to the folks who are the best at what they do. The U.S. would probably be a great place to do that from, And so he had laid out how this might work. And I actually, for the first time in my life, actually went and signed up for a Yahoo email address. Um, I didn't have email at that time. I just never, ever had used the email. Um, signed up for a Yahoo email address, emailed him. And uh, lo and behold, he responded in, in minutes, which was freakish for me at the time. I had never seen something like that. Um, so, yeah, about a year after that, I landed at the University of Arkansas and uh, ended up studying, you know, doing a Ph.D. in poultry nutrition, which, again, at the time, it seemed, you know, it was nutrition was of interest to me. I never necessarily had great interest in chickens. You know, it was one that was convenient and was there was a pathway forward. So I landed up, you know, working with chickens. Came to Arkansas. I didn't know anybody in the U.S. at all. I had a brother who lived in New York City. Um who had about the same level of interest in chickens that I did living in New York City. And so yeah, it was it was just you know it took me a while to to settle in and get to know people, tough to build a network when you know you're not really part of the industry, you don't necessarily have a history in, in poultry. and so it took me a while, but you know once i once I got to the end of my degree, um I was pretty fortunate, I got a chance to meet some folks at Aviagen, happened to be a South African guy here at the time who so him and I developed a bit of a connection he was a nutritionist. And, and so I kind of got a bit of a break where I could get a job, you know, and it was, I never interviewed for any other jobs. It was kind of the, it felt like, well, I have a job, I should be grateful. And so probably like many of the things you can probably get a sense I was pretty naive starting, just about everything I've done, really, I've been pretty naive starting, got into it. And, and about six months in, I realized, wow, there's uh, tons of great folks, pretty welcoming to someone who wants to learn, someone who wants to figure out a path for themselves and wants to find a way to contribute. Um, and so, yeah, just from that point forward, have kind of realized this all happened for a reason. You know, the uh, animal agriculture is, for the most part, filled with tons and tons of great people, right? These are people who, in modern society, that's maybe something uh, that, that the world has moved away from realizing where our food come from, comes from, right? So, we have always loved nature. I've always loved biology. And it's pretty easy to get detached from that, right? It's pretty easy to live in a world where you don't see how, how you know, nature works and how life really, really moves forward. And so we're fortunate we get to see that every day, right? So, yeah, started in my career at, at Aviagen. It wasn't long before I told my – you know, I was a nutritionist, had a PhD in nutrition, didn't have much practical knowledge at all, really, of nutrition, to be honest. I mean, I, I certainly did pretty well, read enough textbooks, um, wasn't particularly – capable practically speaking right so i was very fortunate had a had a great mentor who um who helped me become sort of practically proficient i um, also realized it's not rocket science right so rocket science is rocket science after that pretty much everything isn't rocket science and so you know with a bit of will you can become pretty good at any of these things and so obviously i had the will i was always motivated to do well uh, mainly because i didn't have a safety net right there wasn't anywhere for me to go if it didn't work out so i had to had a great mentor and and told him within probably 6 months of starting the job i don't think i want to be a nutritionist for very long i don't know what i want to be but I, I don't know if i want to be a nutritionist the rest of my life it just feels like i'd probably get bored eventually which i think would probably be true and so he was he, I, he wasn't offended by that but he wasn't particularly impressed by it you know he's been a nutritionist his whole life so you know in a way you're saying hey, i kind of don't want to grow up to be like you which is uh, you know i think i was polite about it but um he uh, i think he understood where i was coming from and so at some point, you know, I had a, had a daughter. She's 11 now. When my oldest daughter was born, I was traveling the world, loving it. You know, Avigen's got this sort of global tech team. Guys are on the road 200 days a year, 230 days a year if you're single and, you know, you don't have kids. That's great, right? You go and see all these crazy countries. You get access to really interesting businesses. But I, I realized I can't keep doing this now that I'm a dad. So I uh, an opportunity came along at DSM. And it was in a marketing role, which again, in, in you know, like a lot of the industry, marketing is really kind of a technically oriented. You know, so I had a little bit of a technical background, no real marketing know-how whatsoever. Um, but it was a pretty easy fit because of the technical stuff. Um, and really, from there, that kind of stepped out of you know being a nutritionist into what was then marketing um, was just really a stepping stone. I kind of slowly but surely got more and more interested in the business aspect of it and really understanding how the business operated. Um, I felt like nutrition was really critical, but it occupied, you know, a part of the business that, you you know, you were somehow detached from the other elements of the business. So I was very interested to learn more, right? I was, you know, unsatisfied and wanted to learn more. And so DSM afforded me that opportunity. And then, you know, my boss, uh, which is unfortunately has proven to be a consistent pattern, either my boss quits or retires fairly soon after I arrive. So I typically warn my new bosses that, you know, they might have – their days are numbered if history is anything to go by. So my boss retired. Him and I developed a great relationship. He retired and um, he recommended me to take over as the the business leader for DSM in North America. And so I had to head over to Switzerland for some interviews with some, some of the managing board. They have a process whereby they vet n- potential new candidates. And I I remember reading Finance for Dummies on the airplane um, because there was a lot of words. You know, I thought I knew what they meant, but if someone really asked me what it means, I, I'd be – you know, I could be exposed pretty badly right you kind of uh, you give an impression of knowing what's going on but if someone really starts to to pin you down, I was a little worried they might find out that uh, I wasn't necessarily educated on, on some of these things. so I spent a lot of time reading and preparing myself. In the end, yeah I was fortunate and, and, and they gave me that shot and we, we were lucky. I, I think at DSM um, we had had a tough time for a number of years you know prices weren't going in our favor. Had some things happen that were positive for the business, you know, which was great. It was kind of, you know, I benefited from that. I was, you know, kind of in the right place at the right time. But at the same time, I think one of the big lessons there was, you know, I wasn't the expert. Suddenly, I, you know, if you're a nutritionist and you're nutritional expertise, you need to be the expert. Clearly, taking on a much broader role, you know, it's a pretty quick realization, hey, I'm, I'm not going to be the expert in all things associated with our business. So, it's pretty humbling experience, but also… Good, because it made me realize if, if we empower more and more people to be the experts, that's the beauty of, of managing a group, right? You get to sort of help the others be excellent at what they do. And then inherently, you know, you get to manage a team of excellent people. So you kind of look good, even though you didn't necessarily, you know, you weren't the one who, who made it all work. So that was a great experience. I was very fortunate. And then, you know, Elanco came along and had this interest in building a nutritional health business, I had no interest in leaving DSM at the time. It was kind of a, things were going well. I Was pretty happy there, but the, the opportunity came along that it was positioned to me in a way that was really attractive. Right, something very entrepreneurial, something building from the ground up. And so uh, at that point, after about five years, uh, maybe six years at DSM, it was a great. You know, it looked like a great opportunity to go and kind of do something entrepreneurial, something uh, that that really you could sort of build from the ground up. You weren't depending on all those who came before you and sort of riding on their coattails um, and that was a, that was a, is a good experience i think you know lily in particular extremely well-run company very professional tons of talent you know i was amazed at sort of the level of talent in a human pharmaceutical company probably hadn't been exposed to just that much professionalism their systems were all exceptional so it's a good experience um, also probably a place where you know you realize hey it, it isn't always going to be you know it, it's not always going to be easy so we had some some great outcomes I learned a lot, had some tremendous uh, experiences, you know, and things that again, I wasn't an expert at, you know m A and building strategic partnerships and and doing uh, you know licensing and other deals that I hadn't done before. So it was very, very good experience from that perspective, but also learned like, hey this it isn't always going to be easy, right? It isn't always going to go according to plan. and and then yeah, the beginning of this year, you know Elanco became independent of Lilly, became publicly traded. That was a great experience kind of watching the company go through that, becoming independent, becoming a publicly traded company um, with all the pros and cons that come with it, right? That's not a, uh, it's not always the easiest thing in the world to manage, right? Where you suddenly are exposed to an investor community um, who really is not emotionally tied to your business. They are just simply expecting returns. And and so, you know, managing through that, that was a good, of course, I wasn't at the head of the company, but I was, you know, more senior, was able to kind of, uh, you know, see how that works and understand some of the pros and cons of that. and Global operations and how, how we structure them and how we keep accountability clear. One, one of the things I've learned is when you detach accountability and authority, um, so you, you're responsible for it, but you don't have authority to, to make the decisions. In my sort of brief professional career, I'd say that is the biggest source of frustration I've seen in employees, is when they're accountable, but they don't have authority. Um, and I think as, as you get bigger, more global, more complex. You've got different product lines. Maybe you're servicing different species, geographies. It's really easy to allow that disconnect to happen. And I think the biggest challenges I've seen in business is when that happens, and then it manifests as bad engagement, cultural challenges within a company. So definitely had some lessons on that. But then this this opportunity came along at Avian. I've always loved the company, right? I loved what what the business stood for. I loved the uh, the culture of the company. It's got a very family-oriented atmosphere. Very committed to R and D. The company's uh, very committed to progress, and so just a nice fit. You know, it's kind of a, one of those things where it's like, okay, you've you've sort of made a change. I don't, I'm, I'm reluctant to make more changes. I think at some point in your career, you don't want to bounce around too much, right? I've, this will be my fourth company, although one of them I've been here twice. But yeah, it's uh, you know, some of the big lessons I guess I've, I've learned is is empowering people. You know, my technical know-how it's not meaningless. Um, and I don't want to imply that that it's not important, but at this point, I've realised none of my technical know-how is of much significance or much importance if you can't engage with people, if you can't help to to build relationships and, and help empower people to feel confident that they can bring value. You know, th- so I'd say my biggest uh, contributions to any company is really just empowering other people, right? Which. Uh, a lot of it i mean people will tell you chickens are relatively easy right they the biology typically doesn't lie they respond how they're supposed to respond they do what they're supposed to do we mess up frequently and they unfortunately pay the price but people are a little more unpredictable right and uh, you know fundamentally people have pretty basic needs whether you're in south africa thailand russia the united states most people just want to be valued right they want to know that they're contributing something of value you know have opportunity and opportunity is different for you know, what I think is opportunity might be different from someone else. Valuing people, I think, is uh, as companies get bigger, more corporate. You know, feel pressure from investors, ownership. That's probably the easiest thing to forget is you know the value that people bring, and, and you don't exist as a company without the people that make it up. I think that's uh, you know, probably, yeah, my biggest learning, and I think with you know, you can look. LinkedIn is a perfect place to look, right? Every company tasks hard, just how incredible their culture is, and just. All the wonderful stuff they're doing, and their social responsibility, and corporately, all the wonderful stuff they're doing, and you know, I don't want to be a cynic and say that it isn't all real, but the people will tell you pretty quick, right? And, and they don't have to say it verbally. You can watch them and see how they how they behave and see the way they treat their company it becomes pretty obvious pretty quickly. So, something I've learned is that I want to be part of something authentic, right? I don't want to uh, be part of something that um, you know looks good on the outside, but when you dig in a little bit. Um, it's maybe not what it looks like on the surface. So I feel really good about that here. Um, we aren't the flashiest. We aren't the most vocal, probably not as um, public as a lot of others with, with some of the things we do, but there's a truly a family atmosphere. People work hard, right, very accountable. You know, it's a, it's a culture of we win together, we lose together, and, you know, over time I've learned that I like that.
0: So I was really thrilled when my ex-classmate and friend in the industry, Mark DeBeer, said yes to being on coffee and careers. Because believe it or not, he was one of the first graduate students I met at the University of Arkansas when I started going to classes. It was Dr. Kuhn's class by uh, chemical nutrition. He was the smartest guy in the, the room, or maybe the most outspoken. He was more senior in his program than we were. I was a master's student and he was working on his PhD at the time. And since he's left, I've had the opportunity to interact with Dr. De Beer quite a bit in his career, either as a customer when he was at DSM. And then he left DSM and went to Atlanco about a little bit before I joined DSM. And always hearing his employees talk about him that, that used to work for Mark De Beer. And this guy is a natural leader and he really motivated people. He really speaks to people like his team people, like diehard, loyal, respect Mark De Beer and his culture. And he's changed in his careers and now he's at Avigen thriving again. And he made that decision from a cultural standpoint and a leadership standpoint and here we were so lucky as a industry to get Dr. DeBeer to be a part of the industry because it was about what can I get a job in I didn't know I really wanted to do this and I didn't care about chickens when you hear him talk about that and I think it's so incredible and inspiring that no matter where you are in your career no matter what experience you have that you'll find your path and be really successful. And, and he's really modest about his background and what he's done. Um, I think he's one of the most influential people in the poultry industry today. And his leadership style and his personality really sets him apart. And that's what I admire most about him. I don't feel I have any shortcomings compared to Dr. Beer. He's obviously an executive and maybe I... I guess I'm an executive now in my own company that's going to be like a superstar company someday, I hope. But, you know, I used to get even imposter syndrome from him. I'm like, how can he be so successful so fast in his career? And, you know, just hear people talk about him, like, like, literally if we were in war, like you would follow the guy into your death type of guy. And I really admire what he's done and, his values and his leadership style marissa do you think it's possible looking at where you are today soon to be a fresh grad do you think you could become that vice president that president of a major company someday and do you see that inspiration
2: or that ability to get there is that even something maybe you want yeah as of right now looking into the future, I'm not sure that that's something I foresee in my career path just from kind of where I want to be. I don't know if I want to be in that type of role. However, I think I have the tools and the ability to get there if eventually I decide to change my mind and decide to pursue that route.
0: No, I agree. It's some underlying tones and messages from Dr. De Beer either on the webinar or talking to him in general is he talked about his network, key people in his career that influenced where he went. Obviously it was to get a job um, and what experiences and where money was and, and jobs was a key driver for him. And if you understand coming from South Africa, the lack of jobs, the lack of opportunity, that's a real thing in South Africa and other countries around the world. And so You know, that really drove him and motivated him. But his strong personality and his desire to succeed, I think, motivated him further. And definitely his mentors and his network really helped him be successful. Kind of speak to how that's important for you to have the right mentors and network
2: as you're figuring out where you want to go. Having built a network to the capacity that I have such an early time in my early, well, haven't even started my career yet. I am blown away at the amount of mentorship and job leads and professional development and personal development that I have gained from my network. I know that my network stands behind me and pushes me to be a better person and a better professional and um, any journey I decide to pursue, I'm going to have my network backing me up and trying to um, help me in any way that they can. So taking from a different episode is how to
1: network
0: like a boss. And it's really how do you get people outside of the room to talk about you when you're not there. And I think, you know, you hear me talking about Mark Beer that way. Like this guy, like he he was on the pedestal. And I'm like, I'm joining him now, right? I feel like I can join him. There's no more imposter syndrome there in my mind at, at, at my point in my career. But I've always looked up to Dr. Beer. And ever since that young graduate student, I'm like, how is he so smart, you know? And then, of course, his accent was, you know, just a cherry on top. But um, really learning from him, watching from a distance in his career, I think you can take a lot through this conversation on this webinar with with Mark and learn from him. So if you want to be that executive, you want to be the next Mark De Beer, you have to listen to this webinar and I could even imagine that for the right person and right reasons, if you were looking for a mentor and you wanted to have a conversation with Dr. DeBeer, we could arrange that for you. So Mark, if you're listening, we may get some people that take me up on that and, and hopefully you can open the door of the discussions with the students. But um, it, it's really impressive what Dr. DeBeer has done in his career and And what I want to see, I want to see more leaders out there like him. I want you to develop into the Mark Beer. As he told you, it didn't happen overnight. He didn't have interest in that. And his experiences really shaped him into that leader. And I really admire him. And there's a lot to take away from his career journey to understand what you can do with your career, too. Obviously, Doctor De Beer isn't a safari manager or a park ranger. Like he maybe had first impressions of being or a veterinarian, but he is a poultry nutritionist. Not only that, he's had some sea level jobs in his career, and is now leading the charge at Avigen. So lots of insights, as I said during the conversation about Doctor De Beer's presentation and knowing him personally. He is a leader that I think we all need to strive to be like. I'm glad that I'm finally feel like I can be on the same level as Dr. DeBeer in my own professional life. And I hope you all have the opportunity to get there as well. So keep learning, keep growing and keep being you. We hope that you enjoyed this discussion You can watch the replay of this webinar, along with the rest of our webinar replays, on our YouTube channel, Animal Science Office Hours. And now we would like to also thank our sponsors once again, NutriQuest, IFF, and Continental Search. We are gracious that you support us in this journey. Before we go, are you finding it difficult to create your own version of success? Do you even know what success looks like for you? Well, if you don't, I suggest that you reach out to the Sunswine Group by visiting our website and booking your free next steps. We'll discuss your career and how the Sunswine Group can help you navigate that. Because our model is simple. We make pigs and dreams fly. Our mission is to share knowledge, to mentor future leaders, and transform innovation while creating a neural network of expertise to help any person, including you, any animal, or any company succeed. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to check out our socials. Find us on Facebook and LinkedIn at Coffee and Careers in Animal Science or Instagram at coffee.ann.careers. And remember, life is short. Drink your coffee in the barn.